0: Midwife Kath, we are talking today about anxiety and depression. We, which are issues that we have touched on in the series yeah. before, but it's a you know it's a an enormous and very common subject yeah, across for both men and women for men and women. Yeah. It doesn't discriminate against gender, any anything like that. Yeah. between age. But we're going to talk about anxiety and depression in specific relation to pregnancy and parenting. That's
1: right. And just the effect it has on um, pregnancy and also on parenting. So today I have um, with me a colleague, uh, Dimitra Spalas, who's a senior psychologist, clinical psychologist, and has been working in um, private practice for about seven years, but works at one of uh, Melbourne's leading psychiatric clinics. So she sees a lot. So welcome, Dimitra. Thank you. Thanks, and Kath. really great to have you here and um, and just to talk a lot about how it works and people say, oh, I'm very anxious about this and I'm anxious yep. about that and I'm nervous about this, but we need to drill down and actually understand what anxiety and depression is. So yep. so what comes first? Does anxiety come first? Does depression come first? How does it sit? Yep.
2: Well, Kath, um, most people will feel low, sad, flat, irritable at times. Some people people will experience these symptoms in a more pervasive and intense way. Yep. Um, and they can last for weeks and even months, sometimes relapsing from time to
1: time. And that's even before pregnancy yeah, too, isn't sure. it? You know, f- from a young age? Yes. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. Like
2: throughout development and, you know, as we heard earlier, it doesn't discriminate. So yeah. anybody could be affected with yeah. depression or anxiety. However, depression itself is characterised by high rates of comorbid anxiety. Yeah. Um, it comes hand in hand. And often, anxiety is an early warning sign to depression. Yeah. there's a lots of worry um, yeah. in our thoughts about lots of different compartments of our lives, um, and we feel sometimes worried and nervous um, and stressed about certain things. But while these symptoms are normal in day to day life, yeah. um, sometimes they they become very problematic, um, and they can significantly affect somebody's functioning. So they just they like they worry about. Everything. Everything and, and just it just
0: gets out of control. In your practice, Demetra. like what what are some of the examples? I mean, um, you know, hypothetically we wouldn't yeah. want to talk about anyone specifically, but what are you seeing?
2: Um, So, generally, people are mostly worried about their relationships. Mm. Um, They are the most important thing we have in life. So, a lot of stress and anxiety um, is a result of conflict or problems in those relationships. And does that start from their family? Yeah. And their family and their family. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of intergenerational patterns in the way that people have learnt to manage anxiety or not manage it. Right. Um, And therefore, if they don't... Don't have the skills to manage anxiety. It can lead to this pervasive effect. That's really interesting. Yeah. You say
0: um, intergenerational ways of managing. Like, what do you mean by that? Like, how do people manage, you know, intergenerate? But what are you saying?
2: Yeah. So generally, there are uh, what I see is that there are adults who actually don't know even how to identify anxiety. So they have these very difficult feelings in their bodies but haven't actually been able to label the emotion as anxiety. Mm. So mm-hmm. firstly, I need to educate them about um, anxiety and mm. its physical sensations and then you know its origins um, and the precipitating factors to that anxiety that may be
1: leading them to feel depressed mm. or overwhelmed and stressed with life. Mm. And with this overwhelming anxiety... You know, I suppose medication comes into Definitely. It and a lot, of, a lot of people are really afraid of medication, aren't they? Yes.
2: Yeah. Yes, they yeah. are. Um, I think most people will try to avoid medication as much as possible. Mm. However, if the anxiety or the depressive symptoms have become that intense, then we really do need to seek support from a GP or a psychiatrist mm. to prescribe medication so that can assist with mm. the biochemistry
0: why do you think we've got such a problem? Stigma. There's well, such why a do you stigma. think it's such an issue to take medication? Is it what is it, Kat? Okay. Well, I think? think
1: it's from years and years and years ago. Anyone who had depression was not coping and not doing well and a failure, really. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Feeling you, inadequate, inadequate. Yeah, and so if anyone, uh, because there wasn't um, counselling and there wasn't treatment and there wasn't the right drugs for for people to um, to be looked after. You know, they 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 either I'm, I'm sure went to um, alcohol and or yep. drugs, or yep. just lost the plot, literally big time. And mm. and you know, so so they didn't have the tools.
2: Yeah. Well, their life can go into crisis. Yeah. If you don't have the tools to manage significant emotional distress, then maybe you will seek out a substance. Yeah. Um, or there will be a lot of irritability or stress within you that you will project onto your, the people around you. Yeah. And that will have an impact on those relationships, and then all this anxiety and mental health ge- just generalises into your whole life. We're yeah. kind of
0: breaking this down, though, now, don't you think? Like, I mean, we're starting to talk about we, we depression. We are better at it, at, for sure. Yes, you know,
2: and it, it, you know, we're better at
0: going to our doctors and getting the medical... Yeah. Uh,
1: do yep. you think, just generally? Yep. I, I actually think... And Demetra will tell um, me, but I think women are better at it. Maybe men are getting better at it. What do you think? They are. I think the changes with
2: um, being able to get a mental health care plan from your GP and to feel open to discuss it with a GP and be offered a mental health care plan to see a psychologist or to go see a psychiatrist, I think has become
1: part of the general discussion in medical practices. Do you want to just explain briefly what a mental health care plan is?
2: So people that are struggling with these symptoms that we're talking about can see their GP to obtain a mental health care plan, which will give them 10
1: sessions subsidised by Medicare um, um, to see a psychologist. And they need to make sure they have a long appointment with the GP if they're going to have a mental health care plan. So if anyone's concerned, they just ring their GP, say, I need a mental health care plan plan. Um, either the GP and or the nurse in the practice together go through any symptoms and then that referral is given to a psychologist and and as Dementra says, it's subsidised by Medicare, which is really good because it can give um, 10 sessions. Yep, an opportunity for people Mm. to speak to
2: someone that has expertise in the field and may explore the origins of their symptoms but also uh, provide some skills training to be able to manage some of these symptoms. So it's, it's
0: not like the movies, is it? Like I, I sit here, I should, you know, you, you know, you nothing's got, you, like the movies. You you got, remember, childbirth's not like the <laughs> I'm just, movies. Oh, sorry,
1: <laughs> sorry I it
0: But You know, you, you think you know, I go in and I have to sit into a chair, and then you're going to psych now, on me. the couch. Yes, on the couch. On the couch so, yep. And Demetra's going to psych me out.
2: No, I think. It's it's a it's a conversation that you have with a therapist that can guide you with certain prompts or um, questions to be able to unpack why you actually why why you have arrived in that room mm-hmm. on that day, and then from there we do some exploration about again you know what's predisposed you to these symptoms, what's going on in your life, you know what are the precipitating factors, and how then can we help you
1: to move forward yeah. with whatever. The situation might be. And like so many things, people don't know what they don't know. So you say, look, I think maybe how about you have some counselling, or you know, maybe you and your partner go and have some counselling. Oh no, 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 don't want to do that, don't want to do that. It's the fear of it, don't you think, Demetra? And it's really so good to have some counselling because, you know, um personally I've had counselling. I think lots of people have had counselling, and it's about Vocalizing what's going
0: on in your head, but it's also like you don't
1: want to tell your friends everything. And then when you see a a therapist, it's it's like just just working out some things. that's some deep stuff that's really important to to work out with a third party that is not connected emotionally or physically with your family or friendship group. Mm. So. And they're a wonderful group of men and women who are highly skilled and highly trained, yes, who uh, have the skills to draw out this information from you. So so we're all in great. agreement then, like if you yeah. you. know
0: so can i can I ask then, so if we're talking, Kath, about anxiety and depression, um you know in pregnancy and parenting, How does it differ when you get to pregnancy and parenting? What are the issues?
1: I see a lot of anxiety in um, in in pregnancy. We see some women come um, with a clinical depression before um, pregnancy. And Dimitri will talk about that. But, um, you know, a lot of women come and say, oh, I want to get off my medication before I've had a baby. Now, what are their concerns? Why would they do that?
2: I think it, I mean I think any woman that's pregnant would be afraid for the fetus and to try and protect it as much as possible, but I think uh, that's where it's really important to seek out medical advice um, from the people that know what actually happens when you take medication and you're pregnant. So people like obstetricians, midwives, psychiatrists are all skilled in being able to tell pregnant women what they can and can't take during pregnancy. But I think what gets in the way is fear.
1: Yeah, fear does. We do know that it's it's better to stay on medication. Sometimes. Than, yeah, to, uh-huh. then, but especially during pregnancy. Yep. And they're a lot safer now, aren't they, than, you know, than um, back in years ago. Obviously, there was a lot of issues, but um, it's... The so, so, the risk, so, the risk, so that's what, so women won't have a Panadol for a headache. Mm-hmm. So, you know, let alone having an antidepressant, that that really freaks women out. So, it's about pre-pregnancy, mm-hmm. talking to your doctor or your psychologist or obst- seeing an obstetrician beforehand um, or a psychiatrist and actually working through that it is safe, Um uh, or the alternatives or the other options. The yeah, the or other... then exactly, And then if you come off medication, that's fine. But it may may be the, the case that sometimes during pregnancy you need to go back on them. That's okay too.
0: That's okay. I'd imagine from what we've been talking about, Kath, and all the areas we've been exploring, your body just goes through this enormous mm. transformation. The
1: hormones are like inexpensive. Explicitly, like the effects. So, you look, know, I always obvi- say you've got your pregnant body and you've got your non-pregnant body, two different people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, your pregnant body, you've got a lot of hormones. It's everything's changing, everything's changing. Plus, you're growing a person mm-hmm. inside you, so you start parenting straight away, and you're really concerned about <laughs> everything that you're doing. So, but the effects,
0: the effects if you went off your medication and you you say you know you had a, a predisposition for anxiety or Depression, pressure you go off it and then you have this huge influx of hormones, hormones. that yep, obviously could infect.
2: Certainly and I think that's why there needs to be some um, uh, coping ahead for pregnancy for people that have um, diagnosed uh, psychiatric illnesses and I think there needs to be some open communication about what's going to help that patient through pregnancy if they have a predisposition to any of these symptoms.
1: Because the 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 um, especially obstetricians um and psychiatrists know what drugs are safe. Sure. They just they just know, and it's it's really good to have a pre pregnancy check and say mm-hmm. these are the medications I'm on. Should am I okay to stay on them? And you know, the doctor will say yes or no or let's put you onto this. The same with breastfeeding. Is it is it okay to stay on these medication while I'm breastfeeding or best to change? So your doctor, obstetrician or psychiatrist will, GP will give you the best um, information. Because what you've been saying, Kath, sorry, I'm like now I feel so schooled in terms of pregnancy isn't a walk in the park. It's stressful. It's yeah. really hard. Yeah.
0: You know, and the first six weeks is really full on. Yeah. yeah. So anything so,
1: exasperated. Yeah. So if you're coming to pregnancy with an underlying depression or anxiety, then you put pregnancy on top of that, yep. wow it just can blow up yep. because just thinking about being pregnant makes you feel very worried and anxious anyhow. Sure, yeah. and I think I think um, anxiety during
2: pregnancy is very common mm. um, the, the the women experience um, so many different changes uh, in their bodies um, they're, they're anxious about the birth experience itself, they are anxious about how they're going to cope as parents um, there's also so many changes that some women go through. They go from career women to mothers at home um, and they're really anxious about how they're going to cope with a little infant Mm. um, and how they're going to manage that child longer term. Mm. Um, But I suppose some women experience higher levels of anxiety when they're out of their comfort zone Mm. um, and therefore they may need a little bit of um, assistance to uh, just get um, their thoughts in perspective Mm. um, and to seek some encouragement from profession that things will be okay. It's just a hard journey, and no one can do it alone.
1: No. Mm. What do no, you, you say, Kath? Right. What
0: Look, do you just say to me? You get to the end of the day, and and you've you've got a a, 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 a happy child, a sleep child, and, you, and you're eating noodles. You've had a really good day. Yeah. Life oh is yeah, fine. yeah. Happy
1: <laughs> mum, happy baby. I yeah, mean, good. I've, I've yep. said that the whole time. Yep. And and uh, mum and dad and partner, whoever is, mm-hmm. is there, we need to all be happy because. Long-term, that affects the children, doesn't it, Demetra?
2: Oh, certainly. I think it's about... It's about communication. It's about being able to share your anxieties and stress with family and friends um, and with professionals that can assist. But also, if you are the family member of a pregnant woman and you see her struggling in a way or that her personality is changing or she's far more anxious or irritable than usual, I think it's important to gently approach that person and ask them if they're okay and Mm. if they need some support.
0: Mm. What about... What about the partners, Kath? Mm-hmm. Like
1: how does anxiety, have you any experience in that? Yeah, uh, it's, uh, and I think partners, because their body hasn't physically changed, mm-hmm. but they still have the anxiety about mm-hmm. about the pregnancy and about mm-hmm. the birth and how they're going to parent themselves, mm-hmm. but they haven't physically mm-hmm. changed hormonally. Mm. Um, and at some level, they're great because they're a voice of reason because they mm-hmm. haven't got that hormonal change. Whereas, as women, where's sort of go? We go a bit woo, you know, because yeah. we're, we're sleep deprived and we're charged with hormones, and mm-hmm. you know, you might be anxious and you're worried about the baby. But uh, it, it's the the partner needs a lot of support to say it's okay to be anxious too. You're you're going to be anxious, so yep, Do you see a lot of um, partners that yep. that have? Um, anxiety? Uh, Certainly, because it's life-changing for them as well.
2: Exactly. And if, if the partnership itself has any underlying unresolved issues, then they're magnified during pregnancy because all of a sudden the partnership is entering this life transition and you know, all of those anxieties come up about how are we going to cope? Yes. Um, So it's important to keep that dialogue open and to support each other and to notice that the partners are going through probably just as much anxiety as the pregnant woman, woman, but they're just in a different phase, a different stage.
1: And having a baby... Doesn't cure anxiety. Mm-hmm. Let me give you oh, the hint. So a, <laughs> so if you've got a
0: rocky relationship, don't think a baby's going to be the answer. No. no,
1: it's hard work, and and you need, you know, you need someone to be there all the time and be on your side and yep, and have your back, have your back all the time because. It's uh, sleep deprivation, as we've uh-huh. talked about, is is, is tough, uh-huh. and uh, and sleep deprivation for men and women partners is is different for everyone, isn't yes. it? And you know, some people find it they can get through, but but most of us find yeah. it it pretty hard in the yeah. first you know the first yeah. six months or so yeah. to get to get through.
2: Yeah. I think all individuals, you know it varies how much we can tolerate. Um, mm. We can tolerate things from time to time more effectively than others and it just depends on what's happening in our lives. Um, and I think pregnancy is just another stressor that's added to the partnership or to the woman's life herself yes and I think it's just another thing that just needs to be managed and some realistic frameworks and skills need to be placed around it to keep
1: the partnership safe but also the women as healthy as possible also in a pregnancy um, you know a, a lot of a lot of times I see maybe someone who's coming you know to the um, to, for their for a pregnancy and it may not be their first pregnancy mm-hmm. And what has happened for their first pregnancy has mm-hmm. a really big effect on what is going to happen yep. in this in subsequent pregnancies. So yep. they may have had a couple of miscarriages. They mm-hmm. may have had a fetal death. They may have mm-hmm. had a stillborn. Mm-hmm. Um, a child may have died or been, or been um, chronically ill mm-hmm. or, or very sick or they may have a child with um, uh, or, autism. They may have something that is uh, that has caused issues in their early uh, or first pregnancy. Okay. <laughs> anxiety in their uh, second or third Yeah. Or? Well, then you come to another pregnancy and mm-hmm. it just flies up again, mm-hmm. doesn't it, Demetra? Very much so, because when you're faced with one of
2: those things in your first pregnancy, you're you're really challenged. Yeah. Um, and then you're pregnant again and it's the worry of, is it going to happen again? And I don't want it to happen again. And our mind just takes over and we just perpetuate these thoughts over and over and over again and we can't get control over them. They're like little bugs in our mind. So what does our mind do with anxiety? How does it work? Like, how... What happens? Well, I suppose there's there's always a trigger, and in this case, we're talking about um, pregnancy. Trauma. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, 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 or yeah. something yep. that's happened in yep. a prior pregnancy. And then, um, you know, in the present moment, those triggers are mimicking something that we've been through in the past. And therefore, you know, our thoughts start to race. We start to interpret situations based on our past experiences. And if it's been a traumatic past experience, then we're going to start feeling pretty frightened because our thoughts are going to be just honing in straight into to those bad case scenarios catastrophizing worrying about the worst case scenario not being supported and therefore that can then lead to these depressive symptoms
0: so what do you do what are the so what are the skills and the tools? I mean, do we start to meditate? Are we eating certainly, better? Are certainly.
2: We... I, think, I think we need to create some type of a platform that keeps us as, um, as secure and safe as possible and makes us less vulnerable to difficult emotions. So things like, you know, a, an, an efficient sleep-wake cycle, you know, good food, um, staying away from substances. I mean, I'm sure that during pregnancy most women do anyway yep. but, um, you know, making sure we have people to talk to and things that we're achieving during our pregnancy, but also spending some time just doing some controlled breathing exercises or some mindfulness practice um, and and getting our skills up to be able to remain grounded um,
1: during pregnancy and and beyond. And also, um, you know, a lot of women haven't experienced an anxiety attack. Mm -hmm. And during pregnancy can be the first time they have experienced a a true anxiety attack Mm -hmm. or a panic attack Mm -hmm. Or the racing of the heart, you know that yep. just sort of. And so when when you're pregnant, anything that is happening to your body mm-hmm. that's different, you freak out. It's magnified. It, you <laughs> freak out. So we, uh, you know, I get lots of calls up. Uh, as soon as I hop into bed, my heart jumps. I mm-hmm. think I'm having a heart attack. And so, you know, it, it, it's because is that common, just like a little very panic. common, very common. So the heart is that little panic attack, or is it just a well, one one of the physiological signs of
2: anxiety is that your heart is racing, or your breathing is very shallow, or you might get tense um, and sweaty palms, um, or you might get a hof, hot flush. But generally, in the middle of a panic attack, it's really hard to breathe, and it's really difficult to
1: control your heartbeat. And 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 it's that feeling that something's going wrong all the time yeah. or something's going to happen yeah. so it's it just rolls over doesn't it mm-hmm. it rolls over and then then that gives um, the body a big squirt of adrenaline yep. and what adrenaline does is fasten the heart rate um, rate up mm. and um heart, uh, fastens the the, the the breathing up so it just it's really hard to get out yep. of and it and a very frightening experience so this yep. is common Very, I mean, very much so. Um,
2: But I mean, you know, people don't need to experience panic attacks in order to have pervasive anxiety. So generally in pregnancy, most women will experience, you know, a heightened sense of anxiety. They may not all have panic attacks, but it's important to start to talk to someone about why is this anxiety here? What am I worried about? Why am I worried about these things? And get some perspective and clarity about the fact that parenting, being pregnant, childbirth. It's all really hard stuff. Um, and, and, and it's and, all really
1: normal to feel yeah. like this. And, and, you know, what we've talked about in the, in the podcast is is about, you know, like real stuff that happens during pregnancy. and And when you haven't, when it hasn't happened to you before, even though you can be really prepared and you can mm-hmm. read Dr. Google, you can read books, you can read whatever, when mm-hmm. it actually happens to you, mm-hmm. all of a sudden you do get anxious. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, right now I'm pregnant, and then it's that wait. You know, you mm-hmm. have to wait to make sure that the baby's okay, and then yep. then then have a first scan, and then you yep. have to you have to wait to see that the that the baby's growing, and mm-hmm. that you pass nine weeks, ten weeks, eleven weeks, twelve mm-hmm. weeks, and each scan you come and you think, oh, thank God, it's okay. Yeah. All of that is yep. just, and then you've got life going on around you, yep. let alone holding this anxiety inside you about about the pregnancy, which externally you'd say, oh, so, I'm so excited about it. But underneath, it's like a duck, isn't it? Like outside you're fine, but underneath your legs little, are kind a like, paling. Yeah. But, yeah. but
0: obviously that the point is, is that it's completely normal that most of us obviously have different degrees or some degree of that feeling or those anxieties. Sure. Those,
2: sure. Yeah. I think, I mean, anyone that's pregnant wants a healthy child. So even just the practical waiting for every single scan, every single week to pass, every single appointment with an obstetrician, I think all of that waiting just creates this anticipatory anxiety that we carry with us when people are pregnant.
1: And it's everywhere. Yeah, it's everywhere, and 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 also uh, it's why people cry mm-hmm. quite frequently. A lot of women, uh, pregnant women, cry a lot because they're, you know, it just they get to a point where, they, like, I just, I just, you know, they cry at things on the tel- television because underneath there's just they're, they're vulnerable. They're, they're, they are vulnerable, and it's and it's it's also beautiful at some level because you're so open and 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 in a different mindset. One of my girlfriends tells me told me this great story. Well, it was actually when it happened, but I
0: love retelling this story. But she you know, we all got home and checking out the Instagram and she'd posted a photo and then it was just her, like the pram walking around a park. And I rang yeah. and said, how was your day? And she said, it was It was fine. I, I literally spent three hours walking around the park with my son, who was tiny, mm-hmm. just crying. Yeah. Mm. Just, just, and I said, you she okay? She was crying. She was crying. Yeah. yeah. She just said I just had all this emotion and I was tired and... Yeah. Yeah but I'm absolutely fine, but I just had to Oh, many times. I I I was thinking of this poor, you know, walking around crying around (laughs) Yeah, no, a lot of And
2: that's what, I think that's what happens, like we're usually, we're in a routine and we have structure and we, you know we may go to work and come home at a certain time and we cook at a certain time and then all of a sudden this baby comes along and it changes everything Mm. Our our routine is, you know thrown up in the air, our structure doesn't exist anymore, the time that we spend with our family and friends might be limited um we may not have the support that we usually have when we see our colleagues at work or catch up with friends on the weekend so all of a sudden we're you know we're in this situation where we're taking care of a little baby that's crying um and we're
1: feeling stressed yeah Yeah. and emotional so demetra when there are couples that are uh, anxious um and then we're anxious when we have a child, and then we're anxious when we have a toddler, and then we're anxious when we have a 5-year-old, and then we're anxious when we have a teenager. What does that what does that sort of anxiety in parenting do to the child? Well, generally
2: when we have anxious parents, they tend to overprotect their children. So they try to shield their children from you know, hurting themselves, and therefore... Um, they intervene immediately when the child is in distress and, you know, we don't allow our children to actually learn that, you know, they can make mistakes and sadness will pass and yeah. disappointment will pass and you can repair relationships. So we just jump in and we intervene.
0: So the whole conversation about resilience and children. That's right. What, so, you, like, robbing our kids of resilience. We've heard discussions about that before, but, it's, you know... Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. So when we overprotect because of our anxiety, we're not allowing the child to explore and build experiences experiences for themselves um, and that can be really damaging to development because you know th- you know when we're not allowing them to work through some of those emotions um uh, then they don't learn the skills to manage their own anxiety so we're just passing it on back to that intergenerational um, stuff that happens in life um, and generally parents are doing that because they love and they yes. are very concerned about exactly. their children but when we don't manage our own anxiety as parents we can easily displace it onto our children mm. and they they become uh little adults i suppose that don't know how to navigate through life sometimes mm, so what do you do how do
0: you know that how do you know if you're being i suppose you know if you're anxious right i suppose you you understand if you're overly
1: well a lot of the time so, uh, one of the parents knows the other mm. is is overly anxious and it's like and 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 you can see i mean as a practitioner i can see it with with couples who are as Demetra says just they won't let a child, like even make decisions for themselves, let alone fall over. Mm-hmm. You know, and sometimes their response to them is anger. Like yep. you know, they will they will go they will go they will scream at them and say, "Don't do that!" And it's only because they're worried about them. Yep. and they're fearful of them hurting them so much. Mm-hmm. Their anxiety is so hard that they actually parent them in a negative way, mm. don't they? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, a secondary emotion could be that.
2: Of anger, and yep. therefore, when we feel worried, instead of communicating that to our children, we actually respond in an aggressive way because we're so frightened of that child hurting itself. Whereas, in fact, you know that—I mean, obviously, we're going to step in yes. if they're about to hurt themselves. But it's about communicating and talking about it and letting them learn through making
1: mistakes. And you've got to pick your battles. Sure, it's picking the battles. If if your child's going to run across the road, that's when you scream and you get sure. sort of really worried. But not if they've they've, they've dropped. Um, you know, a glass of water that you don't get worried about that. You know, or or, or a glass is broken. Mm-hmm. That you just that as long as you're okay, mm-hmm. that's fine. Mm-hmm. But it's it's just always being angry mm-hmm. and on kids' back. It really can mm-hmm. tell. You can really tell with the child mm-hmm. that they're that they they're, they're, mm-hmm. they have heightened anxiety too, yeah. don't
2: they? Yeah. And I think children obviously learn from their parents. So there's such a thing as observational learning. You know, if they observe their parents excessively worried all the time or being stressed all the time or, you know, constantly talking about their concerns in life. They learn through observational learning that this anxiety is part of it and it's normalised. Yes. Um, Whereas in fact, that's why it's important to see someone to talk about your own anxiety or your partner's anxiety or the couple's anxiety so that we're not then transferring this Mm. anxiety onto the children.
0: Mm. So, you know, so... What do we do? I mean, if you if you're the partner, if you're one of the parents, if you so, how do we um, increase the discussion, and how do we um, kind of, I suppose, provide better outcomes for ourselves, or, or plan better outcomes for ourselves? Well, What's
1: uh, the, what the, do we do? What's look, that? there's one thing that I feel you know, very strongly about, and that's and that's hurting children, whether it's emotionally or physically, and again, it's done because people are fearful. About their child, and I've seen people hit children f- because you know they've they've tipped over a glass of water, and it's like you know you, you don't you don't hit a ch- like you don't hit a child. That's my, my theory anyway. You sit down and you talk, or you, you work it out. But you hitting, educate you educate, but but hitting a child for doing something like that is is not educating or parenting. Having a child who's, you know, one, two, three and four, they are in such a weird developmental space and they're into their parallel play and Mm -hmm. they're egocentric and it's all about them. If they're snatching something off off Jimmy, it doesn't mean that they're snatching like we, Mm -hmm. if I snatch something off you because I know what it is, it's just that they just want it and they mm-hmm. want it now. Mm-hmm. They, they they can't understand what they're doing. So 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 going mad or hitting mm-hmm. or hurting or putting that child in the naughty corner, which is so bad, is just not the way to do. It's mm-hmm. easy to lose your temper, though. I mean, I'm, I'm going to put my hand up. Oh, mm-hmm. Brooke, my goodness gracious. In the know, naughty s- corner
0: yourself. Oh, sometimes <laughs> you just think, oh, my God, you're driving me crazy. Like, you can really understand why people flip, right?
2: And I think, it, I mean, that's where we need to start. I suppose it's their job to drive us crazy. Hmm.
0: That's
2: that's, well, that's what appalling. they're there to do between the ages of zero and four.
1: Five, but it's, but it's also job. our job as a parent to teach. And to
2: it? regulate. We need yeah. to regulate our emotions and be able to and then regulate their emotions. That's what we're teaching them.
1: And by saying to them... It's okay, mm-hmm. you know. It's Let's learn okay. from it. Let's, let, next time we'll do this. Mm-hmm. Hitting and, mm-hmm. and putting someone down saying mm-hmm. you're naughty or you're bad or mm-hmm. you're horrible. Mm-hmm. You know, we've talked about that emotional wet cement and that emotional wet cement is set at seven. Mm-hmm. And when it's set, mm-hmm. party's over. <laughs> It's so really important. Mm-hmm. So let's talk. So what, what what's the
0: advice if you're listening and, and we're we're planning ahead mm-hmm. and as so what are the things we can plan for and what are the things that we can react to mm-hmm. or, in terms of if we have issues now? What do you think, Demetra?
2: I don't I think I think if you have a clinical diagnosis of anxiety and de- or depression, and you are thinking about getting pregnant, it's important to go talk to the professionals about how you're going to start that journey. Um, and while you are pregnant, um, you may be on medication under the supervision of a medical practitioner, and you may need to reach out and speak to a psychologist or someone that can help you through that journey. And that's fine. That's just being yep. smart. Oh,
1: make a Plan. It's compulsory. No, sorry. It's not. <laughs> it should be. Um, also, um, I'm sure a lot of people have heard the word mindfulness and let's be yeah. mindful. But mindfulness is just such a fantastic practice. Mm-hmm. I've been doing it for years and what years. What does it and even years. mean, Catherine? Well, Come there on. you go. Come on, <laughs> be mindful in the moment. Give me a break.
0: I am in the moment. <laughs>
2: Well, I mean, I suppose it's the ability to catch those worry thoughts as you're becoming distracted, and bring yourself back to the moment, and check the facts, and stay with emotions without having to change them. Change them, just be with them and tolerate them. And therefore, and it's hard too, isn't it? Very much so, and that's why it requires a lot of practice. So you, you may need to be able to, you know, to be able to practice mindfulness. You need to structure in some time of your day where you're actively doing some
1: mindfulness practice. And you don't have to, you know, put a headband and, and a pink tracksuit on. It's about... Ah. <laughs> you, what it? so, that sounds great, by the I way. know. It's, I'm so 70s. Um, <laughs> it's, there are so many podcasts available on yep. mindfulness. and, there and, are and apps. And apps. There are... Pro- so many books. things that you can books, mm-hmm. everything that you can read, and it's a, it's so good to get into mindfulness pre pregnancy. Whether you have anxiety or depression, or not. it yep. really helps yep. you as a parent. Yep. Because when little Jimmy has pushed the glass of water over, and you want to say, "What the mm, have you done?" You go, "Come here, doll. Give mum a hug." Mm-hmm. And I know we're not talking about we're living in play school all the time. It's just you've got to learn to control your emotions and how you project the feeling if you've seen a glass break and it's really made you angry. It's not the kids' fault. They're one or two. They don't know what they're doing.
2: Yeah.
0: And it- I suppose the other thing too, Kath, which you you reiterated a lot through through the series, and Demetri, you mm. know, you, you might have something to say on this too. It's just about... Realistic expectations. Yep. Kat's always talking about set yourself realistic mm-hmm. expectations. There's a fantasy and then mm-hmm. there's the, the reality. Yep. And then sometimes we are so heavy on ourselves because mm-hmm. we just haven't met even remotely the expectation. Is that, that, you know?
2: Very, I mean, that's probably where some of these worry thoughts come from. People have very high expectations of themselves, these unrealistic standards when it comes to parenting or what should happen during pregnancy. pregnancy. And I think it's important to, again, come back and check the facts with your medical team, come back and check the facts with your family and friends, rather than running off
1: into this world of expectations and should statements and worry. Yeah. Mm. Really, it's about if you're well, if your baby's well, you're travelling fine. And it's, um, you know, the expectations of going into pregnancy, you know, again, the fantasy we do, we do have that it's going to be fine. The fantasy usually lasts about five minutes and then you feel so sick. It's (laughs) like, but Yeah. Um, But it's, it's, you know, it doesn't have to be. Um, relentless worry. Mm. It doesn't have to, you don't have to ruminate or think about it all the time, how bad Mm. it is or how bad I'm feeling or how terrible it is. And again, with parenting, it's about, you know, understanding where your little one is. And I explain to a lot of parents, if you look at your two-year-old, he can't drive a car and Mm. they go, yeah, like, right, Kath, yeah. But he can't drive the car because he doesn't have the skills yet. Mm. So to get those skills, you have to teach and you have to wait and they have to develop. And to do that, it takes years. Years. Of, of talking, learning, brain growth, development. And so a one and two-year-old, three-year-old that I just adore, I adore that age group because they're just like little scientists. They will do anything. And you can teach them so many wonderful things rather than putting them down, mm-hmm. expecting them to be quiet mm-hmm. in a room that they don't want to be quiet. They just want to like jump on the table and dance. Mm-hmm jeez, mm-hmm. I want to be a toddler. Anyway, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> thank you so much, Demetra. It's oh, been really it's great. It's, oh, been, it's been great. It's really interesting. I think it's important to have
0: those conversations, isn't it? Like, you know, if this is what you're feeling, if this is what your expectations, if you have a predisposition,
1: let's have the conversations, put yep. in place a plan. Let's, and know, also, ladies, if you find productive. that your partners are a little anxious or feeling depressed, um, you know, replay this um, podcast and put it on in the car and just yep. listen to both, of you know, both listen to it and, and you know, just talk it out yourself. And as you mm-hmm. say, it's, it's about talking it mm-hmm. out during the pregnancy because mm-hmm. it really does mm-hmm. help if that's done during the pregnancy mm-hmm. rather than when you're sleep deprived with a new baby. Very much so and yep. that people feel validated. Yeah.
2: This has been Birth, Baby and Beyond with midwife
0: Kath Curtin. Birth, Baby and Beyond is recorded in the studios of Podcast One Melbourne, Australia. Executive producer is Brooke Carrigan. Audio production by Darcy Thompson and music by Matt Nicolich. For more episodes, head to podcastone.com.au or download the Podcast One app. A Podcast One production.